how can a woman to woman networking platform help women lift each other up what challenges do women face in wearing an entrepreneurial hat what does it take for them to climb the leadership ladder how can we create an environment of equal opportunities and what role can men play in this welcome to speak easy with dheeraj sinha and today i'm talking to abha bakaya founder of ladies who lead an all women network abha is a career journalist news anchor editor writer and producer she has spent 15 years working in the media industry across major media networks and has interviewed many business leaders abha has now turned entrepreneur with her own company the ab network with one of the platforms under the ab network being ladies who lead abha welcome to speak easy with dheeraj sanha thank you for having me dheeraj great to be here absolutely so listen i'll start right from where it all started right i mean you've spent so much time in tv journalism right and from there to being an entrepreneur uh, number 1 and to start a women centric community and platform ladies who lead so what prompted the switch <laughs> it is a whole new experience turning entrepreneur i'll tell you that and you know i've been interviewing entrepreneurs for so many years in my career was spent and continue to be spent you know telling those stories that it's been really interesting to be on the other side and understand the you know the real ground level challenges that entrepreneurs go through especially here in india but when it started i was on a break i was actually um previously with bloomberg television as you know and that channel had uh, come to you know its its tenure in india had come to a close and at that time i thought you know what let me take a little bit of a break think this through and uh, see if perhaps i can create something and i started actually a platform that was more for original content that could appeal to the aspirational indian across different touch points in their life i've also done a lot of work in the luxury retail uh, lifestyle space and i think i felt that there you know various touch points that appeal to the consumer and um, you know when they're looking for it to be a little bit more experiential as well as knowledge based and these were all ideas here it wasn't really clear in my mind i think i just kind of went with it and somewhere along the line one of the properties that i ended up creating was ladies who lead over time it's actually become the key brand that i'm focusing all my time and energy on and just late last year we of course also launched membership uh raised our seed round uh, brought on board some very credible renowned investors uh, who believe in our mission and the idea is to create a platform which is all about equal opportunity and to have a premium lifestyle experience for women leaders to come in network engage enable you know do their business networking uh have unique experiences learn something new everyone takes away something different but we do believe in women also having access to a circle of influence being part of that circle of influence and understanding the value that can add uh to their growth and to their vision as well yeah so talk to me a bit more about this abha i mean why do you think that any of the current platforms right i mean there enough so to say clubs platforms or social media who i mean women would be there as well right why did you think there was a need for a separate platform a woman only platform what prompted that really so firstly we were actually what i would call community building almost 3 years in bombay um 2 and 1/2 3 years in bombay pre covid 
So I think that the the need for it became very clear because there was constant demand and it was organically growing. We organically kind of went from doing something to doing something else. And, you know, because there was the demand for it. So I think the need became clear. I think that firstly, India is a huge market and there is space for people to do all kinds of things. You'll always find, you know, multiple formats in India of anything that you're doing and that's fine. But where we think that, you know, we have space for a product like ours or where we do have an edge is that our positioning is quite clear. We are premium. We are curated. We are experiential. We are a club. We do charge. We are not, uh, you know, a free WhatsApp group or a LinkedIn group or we're not feminist like that. We are more about we're not we don't really get into gender politics. I mean, people do have a view, of course, and that's fine. We are more about equal opportunity. That's really the way forward. Uh, we're very focused on driving that. And we don't believe that um, networking has to be serious, boring. You know, it has to be difficult. Uh, it, it's something that can be very smooth if you create the right environment for people to come in and take from it what they will. Uh, there are clubs uh, that are not necessarily women-oriented clubs that have some women as members. You know, they have maybe 5% women as opposed to, you know, us, which is a platform for women leaders. So there is, in effect, no other sort of membership club. You know, we may not have a physical space, but we are aligned with several very premium clubs, hotels where we host things as well as allow our members access to go in, have meetings and so on and so forth. And uh, so our positioning is quite clear in that sense. Amazing. And and what are the contours of it? What are you looking at it in terms of, say, a couple of years from now? I mean, would you look at this turning into a woman-only VC platform. Where is this headed? So at the moment, we have a lot of different things that we do and we continue to do. I mean, we believe in providing our members access to leaders, to global leaders, industries, and so, and of course, to peers. So we're not looking to become a fund. We are, of course, aligned with several others who are either existing VCs, who are, you know, our partners, uh, they do attend our Expresso meet, uh, they do show interest in mentoring our members, our younger members, especially that are looking for it. We have also uh, partners, for example, Anjali Singh, who has her own angel consortium that she's building, uh, you know, and she brings that to the table and also creates a pipeline or a funnel for those of our members who are looking for longer-term mentorship, Ten, the partners at 10x2 are also doing that. They're investing time with very early-stage growth founders who are looking to sort of build up to that funding journey. So that's one part of what we do. But we are very diverse, Dheeraj. Uh, so we also have professionals. We have uh, representation from corporates. We have individual professionals, like lots of lawyers, people who set up their own firms, doctors. We span actually quite a multitude of industries. We just made our in first edition of our industry list. And there's like some 20, 30 industries, uh, including agricultural products and plastic recycling. So we span quite a multitude of industries. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. I want to go a little deeper into this, Abha, and I want to pick your brains on working with the most elite well-educated, well-heeled women of the country, right? What are some of the insights or experiences that you've gained, right? I mean, you did Indra Nui's book and she said, yes, I got the promotion. But when I got back home, my mom asked, what about the groceries, right? So what's going on with women of our country who are driving businesses and who are pretty much running some parts of the country? <laughs> so this quote comes up all the time, I think, in every conversation. I think it really made an impact. It's a huge debate even on our platform. 
and there are two very clear views on it. Uh, I'll share them with you. So there's one segment of uh, the member base that loves what she's, you know, what she shared and they empathize and they all feel it in some way or the other. They've experienced it. And there's the other segment that says, you know, women need to be seen a lot more seriously. Exactly what you just said. You know, why should we go for this? And, you know, you know that whole kind of um, narrative in the sense that we should be recognized, et cetera, et cetera. I think if I were to just leave out the the emotion, I think what becomes clear is that I think we are able to be all of the above. You know, I've always been a firm believer when people have told me, uh, as I've also progressed in my career, that you can't have it all. I do believe women can have it all. It's uh, one of the other great women leaders, and I can't, in like top of my mind, can't recall who said this, but she said women can have it all, just maybe not all at the same time, right? It's a process. It's an evolution. And I think that's what you got to remember. So it's not necessarily put you down if you happen to go and shop for groceries. I mean, if we're talking about equal opportunity, honestly, you know, I can go shop for groceries. My husband can go shop for groceries. In fact, I think in our house, he shops more for groceries, right? But, you know, and it's okay. It's 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 part of life. It's what you do. You know, I don't think she could have reached where she had if she didn't have a supportive family or a family that was driving her. And Renui has, I think, three kids. I mean, you, you wouldn't be where you are unless you had a very strong support system. Yeah. But tell me, I was looking at this cohort, right? And staying with this narrative a bit more. I mean, are there things that you're figuring out? I mean, if I were to ask you, what do you think, if at all, is holding the top women of India back? If there were things like that, are there any insights there for us to learn from? Sometimes there is self-inflicted bias. I don't think it's conscious. I think it's just so deeply ingrained that we don't realize it. I also think that that it doesn't have to go to the other extreme. You know, there is a perception created that you have to either you have to either give up or compromise on a lot to get to the top or to do certain things or be a career woman. It doesn't always have to be like that. You can choose is what I'm saying. I think there are choices along the way and uh, you just have to be okay with those choices. Uh, There are people who perhaps, you know, very creative and have found things that give them joy and have managed to create a niche for themselves and have found success in that. Uh, they, you know, there are others who've chosen to kind of do the work and, you know, do the grind and go through the corporate ladder and get to the top. And, you know, maybe that's what gives them that feeling of uh, success. Yeah. So it's really very individual. Yeah. And how do you see your role, uh, you know, as a platform? Are you saying that I'm a neutral platform who brings all of these people together, just providing everybody the opportunity to connect or... Are you coming to the table with a certain point of view that, you know what, you know, women need to uplift other women and so on and so forth? They definitely need to uplift other women because I think that women like to feel that, and rightly so, that there are others who are in that journey with them. And I also feel that women are willing to help. They are willing to help. A lot of very senior women, but they want to help on on an even keel. They want to help as professionals. I think the energy that comes together here is, it's not just connecting you, but giving you resources that will allow you to grow. And I think that people at different stages or, um, career, or different types of careers are looking for different things. So an entrepreneur may be looking for, you know, mentoring on their startup. Uh, a professional may be looking more in terms of, uh, you know, sessions on leadership, for instance. So 
you know, people's requirements are a little different. Someone who's perhaps already on the board of companies, maybe looking to meet people who've been on global boards and, and exchange notes and understand better how perhaps, you know, they can give input to some of these large corporations that they're advising. So there are different levels of conversations happening all the time. Yeah. So do you have structured programs around these cohorts and need need bases? Or are you planning to launch structured programs? I mean, are you going to productize this more? Or, or what's really the thinking behind that? Yes, absolutely. We're clearly headed in that direction. Uh, right there, we have different properties that, you know, there are the net, the out and out sort of networking programs and there are the more learning or business oriented programs. And these, I think, will be packaged along with some of these modules like I've just been talking to you about. Uh, we're already in the works, actually. So they'll they'll start to roll out over the next few yeah. months. And, you know, on this platform, we talk to a lot of entrepreneurs, uh, VCs, etc. And the whole flavor in India is you know, tier two, tier three, as deep as you can get, right? I mean, the bulk of the growth, the bulk of the interest is coming from the other India, uh, so to say. You're right now in Mumbai and Delhi primarily, as I understand. So what's what's your view on, on going deeper? I mean, is that part of the game or are you saying this stays as a top metro urban premium phenomena? No, we'll definitely go deeper. Uh, just give us a little bit of time. We already have members, actually, member interest coming in from, uh, we have a member from, you know, other cities, of course, Pune, Coimbatore, Andhra Pradesh, not just Hyderabad. Bangalore, of course, is a hub, and we're looking to actively sort of roll out programming there because that is uh, is something that has to happen sooner rather than later. So Bangalore will become a third hub. Uh, but we have members, we have Goa as well. So, you know, it's it's already started. I think membership interest has already started to come in from various places. Gujarat is the other one. Raipur, I'm not sure if I mentioned. So it's just that initially, of course, it'll be more about having access to the core central community. And as we go along, we can look at, you know, what programming we can do or offer in some of these hubs, depending on, you know, how, how much interest there is. But it's the natural way forward. And we are very inclusive here. It's this is, uh, you know, an out-and-out out guess. And if I may ask you, I mean, what about your broadcast career, right? What about your TV journalism career have you taken forward? What are the learnings from there which has helped you in building this product, this journey of entrepreneurship? I think that there are, I mean, A, I've worked and observed or interacted with some great leaders. And I think that has definitely contributed to both in terms of, qualities or elements that I could put into place while building my startup, you know, the core of my startup. And um, the other element would be because you're having, you know, extremely, you're in the sort of middle of the chatter and, you know, what's relevant to industry, you know, at that time, I think it just makes the conversation a lot richer. I think I'm able to contribute to my own community by bringing to them or giving to them, you know, some of the programming or speakers or connecting them, you know, with the right access uh, to corporates that are perhaps ahead of the game, setting the trends in the news. And, uh, you know, that makes it very exciting. Yeah. And from an overall, uh, you know, narrative, media narrative perspective, right? And I'm talking broadly, news may be less, but other kind of programming which is uh, being pushed through in media, including advertising, etc. I mean, do you have a point of view and what do you feel about how is gender inequality being either treated or not treated and what could we do better at that mm. front? 
So I know you must have you know heard of those ads like the recent one, the short one. Did you did you see that and the whole uproar yeah. and you know etc. So uh, you know again on the group there was a lot of chatter about it. When I say the group, I mean our, our members group, the Titans group, especially uh, they're very vocal about some of these things. And there was a lot of chatter, and they were quite appalled because they said how many various levels of approval must this have gone through? <laughs> you know, so it was just mind boggling to think that. Um, you know, there there must have been multiple stakeholders who thought it was okay. Uh, I think the the silver lining is that at least it got pulled down immediately. So there are also clearly enough people understanding that this is no longer okay. I think we've seen some great campaigns that have tried to bring to light uh, changing dynamics uh, around the girl child, for instance, or equality between girl and and the, the girl child, and the, you know, and the boy child. There have been some great ads. I mean, I can't name them top of mind, but I know that uh, we've seen some fabulous campaigns, you know, where the girl has brought home her first salary or, you know, things like that. So I think that narrative is there. We also see a lot of brands trying to profile women leaders, etc. Uh, but I think that, you know, here's if I, if I get philosophical for a moment, but this is a much deeper problem right it's um it will the real change comes when you stop thinking of it as gender and while that conversation has changed i think at a global level there's a lot more awareness i'm not saying it's necessarily implemented uh, effectively even in other countries around the globe but the narrative at the global level has changed so for example if you you know, when you're talking about gender, you have to be a lot more agnostic. You have to just say, like, for instance, a leader, you know, and it could be, you know, any gender, for instance, um, in terms of type of dress, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I think for us as a country, while it's great to see women leaders in the limelight being applauded, everyone from you know, political, you know, let's leave politics aside for a moment, but we do have a woman finance minister. Um, you know, you have sports celebrities and a lot of women now coming out and, and achieving great things in the world of sport. And they're being applauded for it. They've been recognized for it. So I think that's a huge step. Um, but I think that the conversation will really change when it stops being about gender and when yeah. it really becomes about you know, achievement. Yeah, and, and obviously there's a long way to go because because we, we right now are talking about a platform which is women only, right? Uh, and so the, as we speak about Yama, I mean, the other thing, and we we work with a lot of brands, uh, especially PNG, etc., which go at a very, very mass uh, ground level, right? We handle brands such as Vispa, uh, you know, and even a sanitary hygiene category has a single digit penetration in the category and so on and so forth. So some of the statistics and data there is pretty abysmal. So now you now that you have a, a platform of women who are, so to say, let's, uh, for the argument's sake, who are powerful and, and have the resources and, and have the command, do you think at some stage uh, in the evolution of this platform, you'd be able to use the power of this cohort, these women, for the greater good of a larger India, which is still struggling with some real basic stuff. Of course, absolutely. But I want to just digress for a moment, um, Neeraj, because do you know that a lot of the people that have done some great work in menstrual hygiene are actually men? Uh, a lot of the products that are also, you know, launched of late, you know, from T-Buddy to, I think Nua has a couple of different founders, but a lot of different new products. Also, again, a lot of male founders. I think men are a huge part of this conversation. So, for example, at Ladies Who Lead, we do not leave men out of the conversation. 
right? Uh, men do come to attend our events as long as they're relevant there, as long as they come with a member, uh, if they're contributing in some way, you know, not just for like, oh, okay, I want to just, you know, just pile on, not like that. But we, so it's, you know, but we don't leave them out of the conversation. And we actually feel that men have a lot to contribute to this. So it, it really has to be a joint effort uh, in that sense. I think in terms of larger social impact, of course, we have, um, first of all, we have a lot of members who are doing a lot of work in this space, from Rubal Nagi to, you know, Radhika Bharatram and the Karm Trust to a lot of members who do this as their, like, it's not just that they have an NGO, but they also have an NGO alongside with their business and large NGOs at that. You know, our uh, our own chief mentor and investor, Ditya, he also has invested in Seva and he drives that as well. So we do try and collaborate on that where we can uh, to give back to the skilling, to the purpose and, and to the drive in skilling. So I think that the ingredients are there and we'll continue to work on this as we go along. Uh, but it is clearly, you know, it, I don't think that anyone is um, unaware of the kind of work that's required and the kind of support perhaps that's required in this area. Absolutely. And coming back to the business of running a platform, Abha, right? I mean, uh, the the buzzword or the, the biggest aspiration for every founder in India is to become the unicorn, right? And it's a mad rush to next level of funding game, right? Now, a bit of that is obviously drying up as we speak, uh, but there's enough money to go around, as we all know still. Uh, I mean, what what's what's your chase? I mean, are we looking at somewhere down the line, uh, LinkedIn for premium women? Or, I mean, are you are you chasing the unicorn game? Are you chasing the funding game? What does what does scale mean to you? I think for us, it's about creating value, leaders. I think the minute you, of course, raise money, there will always be a desire to raise again at, and continue to grow and expand. And I think that our core value is uh, to create value, whether it's for our members, for our investors. So it's that's really our focus. We're not in that game where we want to kind of, um, th- this is going to be value-led growth. We are interested in preserving the bottom line. We are interested in the experience we offer our members. And I'm telling you, that's how we're different. Um, you know, I think that it's been, I think, eight, nine months since we launched membership. And I think now our work is speaking for itself. So I think that it's, um, you know, I would love for Ladies Who Lead to grow and uh, reach that level. And uh, we, you know, we want to do that with the right steps. Yeah, along absolutely. The way. And Abha, you spoke to me about how you tried various things and amongst some of that, this idea floated out. Uh, talk to us about, uh, you know, and, and lots of successes, most successes actually are built on uh, failures or or things that you tried and, and didn't work out. Uh, and it's always a backstory, which is much more interesting than the success story. So so what's been the backstory here, right? I mean, what were the challenges? What have you been grappling with behind the scenes level? Firstly, there's so many thoughts that come to mind. Firstly, it's an interesting intermix. Yeah, it's, just, it's an interesting intermix of like, especially as someone from a media background, seeing how people's behavior is changing. So there is a lot of demand for content. Of course, how they consume it has changed. You know, and that intermingling of content as well as, actual in-person engagement and um, along with that I think for me it's been a huge learning in terms of a running a business in India <laughs> like so I wish it would come with a handbook right I mean I wish, 
I wish somebody would tell you. So, you know, I have my lawyer and my accountant and they always talk to me like they're uh, they're amazing. But they'll always talk to me and say, and then so-and-so and so, and you must know that this has to be done now. And I'm just like, no, I don't know. Right? Like, I wish somebody give me a list. Somebody give me some, like, to-do point that these are all the documents I'm going to need or, you know, deadlines I have to follow. And so as a startup, you genuinely are everything from HR head to accounting head to office beyond to, you know, the works. And I think my team is really great because I have a founding team who, you know, really built this with me ground up. And I think they, they'll tell you the same thing. They're also like, we need to do everything, you know, like, so I think it's been a journey. I think that there's been a lot of learning in terms of interacting with people. Like I've always been a people's person. Of course, I have interviewed and met innumerable people and will continue to do so in my line of work. But just in terms of, you know, when you're on the other side, like it's a huge insight into behavior and um, you know what people respond to how they approach something like this and um, you you just learn you expand your horizon a bit because I'm it's it's not about judging it's just about realizing that there's a lot more that goes into people's behavior and that's important because that's what affects their decision at the end of the day you know whether it's to take membership whether it's to be involved in some way whether it's to support you whether it's to you know further the cause and, uh, you know, it's interesting for me to understand that. Yeah. And right now you're saying this is consuming all of your time. And, and how's that looking to you? Is this how it's going to be? Or are you already beginning to think about wearing other hats? <laughs> I think um, they say once you're an entrepreneur, you kind of stay an entrepreneur. And I keep meeting entrepreneurs who are like, okay, we've done this, we're starting this now. You know, I think for a while, this is going to definitely be my focus. I mean, there may be other things that come up, but this is my baby. So I think, uh, you know, for a while, it's really going to be all focused here. And, uh, you know, just circling back to being a woman leader, a woman founder uh, in the country, right? What have your personal learnings been, Abha, in that? I mean, what are the lessons you've learned and I mean, what are the things that you could tell other women, you know, maybe starting up at this stage uh, so that they, they're going to jumpstart from your learnings? I think that they really have to believe in themselves. And I really don't mean that as a cliche. It's just really important because like patriarchy just seeps into us and we have no idea that we are sort of embracing it. And at all levels, you will find people who do put you down, do dismiss you in the smallest of ways. It can be in the smallest of ways. And I think that it is true. Women do have to work harder, uh, you know, to kind of prove themselves. It's true. And I, you know, and I think that it's very important to have that self-belief because then even if you feel that, let's say you're on even keel with a male counterpart and you don't want to take on that extra assignment because why should you? But you have to have that confidence to kind of say to the, say to your team leader that, listen, I, you know, to present that case to your team leader, you have to have that confidence. And I've really noticed, you know, I I do meet some amazing women who are powering ahead and they have that confidence, right? They value um, their, their work, but they know what they bring to their work. And they're also not afraid to ask for being compensated in value for their work. You know, it's very empowering and it's something I don't think we do enough of, especially in the Indian environment. We always feel like, you know, it's a cultural thing. We have to work, work, work. And then we ask for a raise eventually and that too apologetically. You know, here, you know, especially you'll see leaders across MNCs, for instance, they ask, they ask. And I think that um, it's really important to understand that when women are doing something, 
it is not time pass it is not because asha you know take you know just to keep busy so she'll go do something at work you know you are investing your time you are capable and you deserve respect yeah. for that and you're right because we don't talk about this enough right of about uh, women standing up for themselves and having that confidence i guess a lot of times you know they feel that you know they'll be judged or they'll be seen as aggressive or brash or so on and so forth uh, but to have a narrative or a conversation that's all right Uh, right i mean it's a shame it's a shame at one level that they have to ask for it uh, but that's another story but what you're saying is that the confidence to stand up for yourself you have to and there's a difference between assertiveness and aggressiveness right and i've you may also frankly you may get labeled or put in a bucket if you're aggressive but frankly if it gets the job done good for you right i i've seen people do that as well and they you know they've they've gone far so i mean if it's evolving and i'm not saying there's a right or wrong here but i'm saying you got to get you know got to stand up for yourself cuz no one else can do that for you that part you really have to do yourself amazing uh, i mean what's or who have been your inspirations uh, in life ahmad uh, that has brought you so far and further um i think i you know i was looking at this question when you sent it to me and i was uh, <laughs> it's like it's always the toughest question right to think of like um one thing but you know i um I do I mean I I have amazing parents my dad is a self-made entrepreneur himself and my mom while she's a homemaker is actually I think the one who's always driven us along with along with my dad but to to really go out there and chase our dreams I think so that's very deeply inculcated in me and I think that over the years of course I've you know like I said met with various people who I've admired um sometimes admired from afar sometimes seen up front uh seen their journeys and like you were discussing earlier there are some amazing journeys what touches me are people who've come let's say you know from small towns and turned into india's biggest leaders and they've had that support and they don't find it they don't find it difficult they don't they don't talk about it like a difficult story right for them it was a journey and i think that's what's so beautiful i think um people who are able to kind of dip into their um experiences and sort of take away what can contribute to their further growth and and share it with others as well um i think that that's beautiful and and it's it's uh, it's something that i've definitely taken from in terms of you know the stories i've read people i've met uh through the years and i've lived i've lived in Uh, I've gone to 13 schools. I've lived in different countries growing up. Uh, you know, I lived all over the place, from Australia to Europe to Africa. So, you know, I took a gap year after school, and I I, I worked for a year. Then I took a gap year, and I just traveled around the world. Uh, so, you know, I think, you know, just to give you a little bit of context when I'm talking about stories, I think all of that feeds into it. No, absolutely. And to the young. uh women they are aspiring to be entrepreneurs mm. what would your notes be to them so you know i did this session with this um these young girls at um, you know at a university and this was it was a very similar ask that uh, i had to wait uh, a session again with some college students um, a little while back the younger generation amazes me because they are looking for very different things and um they're looking for purpose and that's something that they're so passionate about which i love you know if if i were to give them one thing that would help to contribute i think it would just be really to just go out there and learn and absorb i think 
you know, these days I know things move a lot faster. And I, I think even saying three to five years sounds like, you know, dinosaur age, <laughs> but at least, you know, in our journeys, like those first 10 years are critical to just kind of learning the more that you can pick up, the more that you can learn. And, I'm, and, and I know these days people don't stick with one organization for that length of time. But even if you're moving around, do it with a sense of mindfulness in terms of what are the different skill sets you're picking up, uh, for example, or you know, spacing it out, at least give it two years. Because an employer today is not necessarily going to think or take that badly, but they want to just see how that experience then adds up. You know, people do appreciate those that can now handle multiple tasks, for example, or at least, you know, balance tech with, you know, other uh, talents as well. So it's changing very fast, but I would just say learn because don't get too caught up in the early stages in terms of like, okay, you know, but I, you know, I want to fight with the head of uh, my organization because I don't believe that they're sustainable or, you know, you know, <laughs> you know, you can make those choices as you go along, make those choices. You know, I think organizations today are listening and they're far more cognizant about their employees. Uh, the average age is going lower. So they, they're far more cognizant about making the workplace policies, environment, everything more conducive to something that you relate to. But give it a bit of time uh, because that learning is really important and it'll hold you in really good stead throughout your life. Fantastic. That's a great insight. Ava, thank you so much. It's been a great conversation. And at this stage in our podcast, we switch the mic. So you get to ask me questions. Okay. <laughs> yes, I'm really looking forward to this. So let me just pull out this, um, pull out the questions. So Deeraj. Yeah. So if you were a journalist, who is that one person that you would like to interview at least once in your lifetime? Yeah. I don't know, maybe maybe Gandhi, right? And obviously there's a lot's been written, spoken about him as a political uh, kind of a stalwart. But I'm fascinated about his communication skills, right? Coming from marketing, advertising, brand building, right? I mean, how do you build uh, such a deep mass mainstream brand uh, without any social media, right? Without any, I mean, I sometimes imagine how, how would Gandhi's Twitter account look like? Right, uh, and right. What would his tweets be like? Uh, right, and sometimes I imagine maybe I I I pick up all all his learnings and run a pseudo Gandhi account. So that's I mean the way the way the rituals have been created, the symbols have been created, the behavior codes have been practiced, and how everything is simplified uh, for you know everybody to take action. I think it's a it's a huge case study in uh, just pure marketing advertising, and from that perspective. I'd like to interview him. Amazing. That's a pretty cool answer, Dheeraj. I think that's pretty cool. I was thinking you'll go with some world leader currently, but there, this, this one is posthumous, so that's pretty cool. News consumption is changing, of course, with the rise of new media. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? So I think, I think the biggest shift is that everything is news, right? I mean, some actor or actress getting out of gym is news. It floats on your timeline. Uh, somebody winning an Olympic gold medal is a news, right? A woman slapping her husband is news. So the, the vantage point on news is lost. Now you could you could argue that it's a good thing or a bad thing, but anybody can create news. Everything is news, uh, right? So news is now, to my mind, an opinion. Uh, it's a it's a point of view. It's a, it's, it's a subjective view on the world. And it's not somebody's objectivity, which is what it was earlier. 
So it's flux. I really don't know whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, uh, right? Because uh, there was always agenda in news of some sort, uh, right? It, there would be a unconscious bias in it. But today it's, it's everybody's agenda. So at least it's democratized in that sense. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Even I'm, I sometimes wonder on this. But yeah, no, I agree with you. One campaign on a women's cause that's close to your heart. Now, did you have time to think about this? I want to know. Huh? No, not at all, because I mean, that's something we've just done. It's just hot off the press, Abha. So, uh, you know, we just uh, did a huge, uh, more than a campaign initiative for Whisper, which is one of the clients uh, from PNG that we work for, right? And uh, we have this platform or the purpose at Whisper that we call KGIS, which is Keep Girls in School. Uh, because our biggest learning and insight is that because of menstruation, Lack of menstruation, uh, education and support system, millions of girls fall out of the education system, right? So the statistics there is that 23 million girls fall out of schools every year because of menstrual hygiene, not knowing what's happening. In fact, some of the girls, because they do not understand what's happening to their body, they feel they're going to die. They feel that, you know, it's a, it's a disease and so on and so forth. So we, uh, I mean, working on this insight, uh, we ran an initiative and we're still running that initiative to bring the education chapter uh, back into Indian schools on menstruation. Uh, because, uh, you know, it's such a taboo that that girls won't be taught about this in their homes. It, they won't be taught anywhere else. The only place they can be taught about this is in schools. But there is no chapter on this because, again, I mean, school doesn't want to teach it either. So we've run a huge initiative of bringing the, the chapter administration back in Indian schools as part of a campaign. There's TV, there's outdoor and so on and so forth. Right? In fact, this initiative won a Grand Prix at Canlands this year for sustainable development goals. And it's an ongoing campaign. We're still at it. We're going to work at it continuously year on year. So, I mean, that to my mind is is very close to my heart because obviously it helps sell uh, the product. We are in a commercial business, but more importantly, it is important to society, culture, and hopefully economy. Imagine in five years time, arresting even 20% of this 23 million girls not falling out, coming back uh, to the system and, and, and that adding so much of human capital uh, to the Indian economy. I think that's amazing, Dheeraj, and I, and I you know, really wish you the best with this because I agree it's so important and, and in the sense of what you said, contributing to human capital because, you know, there are so many different reasons why we still don't see the rate or the percentage of women contribution in the workforce going up. And this is one of them, at least if we have the funnel starting right from education and post-education, it will make the case stronger down the line as well. So who's one woman in your life who inspired you the most? That's a very tricky question, right? It has to be. It has to be. It has to be my wife, Valerie. I mean, for for a sheer reason that you know, I've I've seen her very closely, right? We've had two children, and I've seen her how she has every time bounced back, gone back to work, made it happen, fought through the glass ceilings, contributed, and everything we spoke about today, right? Standing up for yourself, asking for, and and we talk about it, and 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 we wonder that you know we are in that sense fairly privileged and fairly. Uh, well to do a class and even at our level we have to ask for it uh, so so it, it it kind of screws my mind a bit but i have seen her journey very very closely and and and, and the way she's undaunting uh, gives me a lot of strength uh, because uh, as a as a male well educated in indian society today i feel i'm so much more privileged uh, than 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 them than the women okay and what would be your one go to strategy for women empowerment I would say that, you know, uh, unfortunately, 
a lot of times when we talk about women empowerment, right, we we talk to only 50% of the audience. And that, to my mind, is a big mistake, right? I mean, for example, I'm very clear that, I mean, let's talk about feminine hygiene uh, menstruation products, right? I don't think that hygiene pads will become commonplace till they don't enter the monthly grocery list of the household, which is in some ways controlled or bought by the man of the house, right? So I feel critical to this conversation of women empowerment is the other half, which is men. Right, unless we recruit them, unless we co-op them, unless we get them on board. Uh, and the other side could be that because there's so much of correction on the other side, and it's good correction, don't get me wrong. I think we are correcting on the other side sometimes to the degree of fault, and that's perhaps required. But you do not want a counter-insidious anger, right? which is going to damage uh, this movement even more. So I feel that co-opting men and getting them as allies and making them the biggest support people to this cause is 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 a big part of the strategy and a big part of how behavior economic works. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, we had an event where uh, one of the gentlemen, he put up his hand in, in, to ask the question. And he said, I'm so-and-so from MWF. And there was a pause in the room and everyone was like, okay. And he said, men who follow. <laughs> so, you know, and, yeah, I loved it. And I think we're I think we're going to go and like, you know, book that domain name or trademark it or something. And like, like I was telling you earlier, like my husband's one of our biggest supporters, right? Talking about grocery lists, I told you, like he handles them. He's totally fine with it. And I think maybe we just need to ask, you know, like you said, co-op them, just ask. They are willing to help. Men are not, you know, I mean, there may, may still be some who are, but there are also a lot of men who are uh, listening and who are willing to contribute. You know, so I, I think it, it definitely that they need to be part of the movement. I completely agree with you. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Abba. It's been a great conversation. If people are listening to us, they want to reach out to you. They want to join your club. Can you help us with your handle, email, how to, how to get to you? Of course. That would be amazing. Our website is ladieswholead.in and all details are there. Our Insta handle is uh, ladies W Lead, and uh, you can also reach out to us there. Um, events at ladieswholead.in is our email. And I want to just share you know, we are diverse, we're inclusive, and we look forward to members at different stages of their career. We have two tiers of membership, so you can access the one that you feel you're more inclined towards. And, uh, you know, when you reach out, someone can take you through you know, the, the kind of programming we have and, you know, what you you feel would interest you. And I think you'll find that there's there's a lot to take away from it. It's also just an amazing group of women. There are women who are very, very focused and driven. And I think that that energy is contagious and, and quite powerful. Amazing. Thank you so much, Ava. Great, great talking to you. Same here. Thank you, Deer. Thanks for your time. It was great chatting with you as well. Abha is positive about the future of the leadership layer being filled up with confident women from every walk of life. As more and more women are coming to the limelight and being applauded for their achievements across fields. Her key insight is that women have to come in with confidence and stand up for themselves, whether it's about the value they bring to the work or the compensation that they deserve. And to drive gender equality, we will need to focus less on gender and more on the talent and achievements of human capital. On the debate whether the ideal of a superwoman is indeed a deflecting one, Abha has an interesting take. She says that the new belief is that women can indeed have it all, maybe not all at the same time though. 
Cooping men and getting them as allies, making them the biggest support for the cause should be a big part of the strategy. When talking about the role of men in women-oriented initiatives, Ava put forward an interesting fact that a lot of the people behind great menstrual hygiene work in India are actually men. Well, those are my learnings from this conversation. What were yours? 